Welcome to Mechanical Freak, the podcast which was ordered by a court to change its name because Seattle Sucks was just too based. (laughs) (laughs) And we relented. We respect the court's judgment and we will not be appealing that decision. I'm here with Brian and Munya, and we're coming to you from a basement in Magnolia. We have been bound, but not gagged, by (laughs) Colin's children. (laughs) A pool of viscera is slowly oozing across the floor in my direction. Colin is dead. (laughs) 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 R.I.P. We have a guest tonight and a very special presentation. UDI Rhodesia sucks. We have Munya's cousin, Eben Mudede. Uh, welcome, Eben, our Rhodesia truther correspondent. How you doing, Eben? Hey, I'm doing well. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, this is very exciting. Uh, Munya brought this to our attention recently that you are a, a an expert on the really cool subculture that we're going to get in, that we're going to like join soon and <laughs> become a part of. We've been looking for a new thing to get into. Yeah, in yeah. Like, so. New music just isn't doing it for me anymore. So I thought I'd get into like obscure white grievance um <laughs> like really obscure <laughs> um the real hipster shit um and that's what we've got tonight we're gonna hear a little bit about from you guys the history of um what is now zimbabwe it's sort of uh colonial settler colonial history that and what and whatever it is that has created apparently you'll have to tell us i mean what to you Eben is the Rhodesian truther. Like, who who is he? <laughs> yeah, it's probably... Let me tell you my story a little bit here. Yeah, so, sure. Uh, in my earlier days of college, I started to, like, look into more... Um, well, I'm a Zimbabwean, first of all. My father was born in Rhodesia. And in my earlier days in college, I started to look a little more into the history of the country that we're from. And, you know, you start off on YouTube, watching random videos or whatever. You just punch in Rhodesia, Zimbabwe, history. Mm. And then you scroll down the. Wow, I mean that. Yeah, that is. Yeah. And then you scroll down to the comments after that, and I was blown away by the weird fascination <laughs> with this like dead country. <laughs> These people who seemingly had no connection to the country had. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot of people who spend a lot of time on internet forums. There's sort of three categories. I'd the best say. of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd put them the into heroes. three categories. Yeah. <laughs> the posters. You've got like the actual people who were born in Rhodesia. Um, mm-hmm. They don't hang out so much on internet forums because they're the <laughs> most of them are in their eighties today. It's not a country that exists anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> They hang out on YouTube and just tell racist stories, basically, about the, the good old days. They get their grandson to set up a tripod and tell some weird old story from the wars in Rhodesia. The second mm-hmm. ones are actual Redditors who are kind of like amateur historians. And they will give you a lot of like, I'm not racist. I just like this very racist country <laughs> and like what it stands for. And then you've got like the actual more disturbing white supremacists, your Dylan Ruths. You're people who spend maybe time on the darker corners of the internet, um, who have a real like obsession with the white supremacist side of this country. Mm-hmm. Well, 
maybe to begin with, uh, what the fuck is Rhodesia? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, don't yeah. Exist, like, when, when did it exist? Where is? So I feel like mm-hmm. we know like a lot about a lot. We know a lot. We know about a lot of white colonial settler states, like uh, and their governments that have failed, like the Confederate States of America, the uh, South African the, apartheid, the government. United States of America, yeah, uh, Middle Earth. <laughs> right? so we're, we're familiar with a lot of these places. <laughs> Middle Earth. <laughs> what, what, the, what the fuck is Rhodesia? Where is it? When is it? Uh, yeah, what, what's happening? In service of in service of learning to understand this, one of the purest types of poster on the internet, the Rhodesian truth, or first, we must know, what the fuck is Rhodesia? Yeah, so Rhodesia was a settler colony in southern Africa. It was established in the late 1800s by a man named Cecil Rhodes, Rhodes, Rhodesia, um, the same man from the Rhodes Scholars. Um, and yeah. <laughs> a legend, truly, truly a legend. <laughs> is it, it is Cecil Rhodes? It's yeah, Cecil Rhodes, yeah. Cecil Rhodes, yeah. God not, damn it, that Because not, not just because he, like, founded a, yeah, a, yeah. Con- a small, like, country and named it after himself, but he was the, you know, director of the British South Africa Company. Is that which one? Is that the one? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, the... He, love, one of these great, these awesome, like you know, oh hey, this this East India Company thing was awesome, where we <laughs> where we combined like capital accumulation with the power of the crown to take over uh, whole like areas of the planet through like state sanctioned like capitalist murder. Um, let's do it again, and and Cecil Rhodes, yeah, <laughs> that, he, you know that rocks so hard. He, uh, the English, yeah, they're, they're really cool. Stay winning. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Sorry. Keep going. Sorry. I, had to, I just had to ask. Right, yeah, it. no, let's, let's go a little deeper into Cecil Rhodes. So <laughs> <laughs> when he was 16, and this is sort of like the beginning of the history of Rhodesia. Mm-hmm. When he was 16 in the late 1800s, his family sent him down from England to South Africa. He had tuberculosis. And they figured that that would help his lungs using the conventional wisdom of the, that time. <laughs> Genocide. <laughs> yeah. This was this yeah, was yeah. this is pre NHS. This was the British Imperial Healthcare System. It was like <laughs> the sun never sets on the British Empire, which means there's somewhere on the planet that just being there will cure your disease. Yeah, well. Not being in England probably is good for your health. So that's actually not 100% a bad idea. But okay, go ahead. So sent, to, sent to South Africa because of tuberculosis. Yeah. And then uh, he like his aunt gave him some, you know, not small sum of money, but a good, a good amount of money for the day. And he made some more money selling some weird type of like mining equipment, like mining pumps. And had this <laughs> far out theory that if he bought up um, mines that were already empty that he might be able to extract a few more diamonds and make a small profit out of it. And so he bought up all these useless mines for, you know, pennies on the dollar. And, like, just by chance, stumbled across the largest gold reef, or diamond reef, it, like, ever. Like, the diamond reef. Like, <laughs> this <laughs> is how you get a scholarship named after you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, the premier, like, beyond anything that's ever existed in the world. And, and he used this money to uh, enrich the local mining population for their hard labor, and that's, that's yeah. The he story, was like, right? uh, "One for you, one for me." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He donated, not donated it. He spent it all back into. He was just. He had this weird fascination with building the British Empire. He was quoted on saying that he wants to build a colony from Cape to Cairo, so from mm-hmm. South Africa up to Cairo, like a red strip down the middle of Africa was his goal. 
he made it, you know, one country north. And that was it. Oh, shit. He had the second really like, so after getting really lucky with the diamonds, he had this second theory that he could, uh, he found some old like Portuguese colonial records that from like the 1400s that said there might be gold like just to the north. And he thought he was going to find the next jackpot. And so mm. he, cre- so he uh, created the British South African Company, um, basically parceled out the land to about 100 people, like the entire country, <laughs> and, <laughs> and went on the pioneer column, um, sent them up there and colonized Zimbabwe. So, yeah. so the so the diamond mine that he found that was in South Africa, and then he was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, like there must be more because I found this like document mm-hmm. from the 1400s or 1500s of Portuguese." And he said, "Yeah, let's just go up north," and that's how he found Rhodesia. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's exactly it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, this is part of that fine like European colonial tradition of hearing that anything of value might be somewhere and just being like, "Load up the guns, let's go!" Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. everybody get in. Yeah, like I mean. Can you give us like a explanation a little like about just what exactly the British uh, South Africa company was, how how these things worked? Yeah, sure. So it was a royal concession from the Queen of England. He had to apply for it. And it basically gave him exclusive rights to the land of the where the charter was. Mm-hmm. So he got a charter for Zimbabwe from the Queen of England. Mm-hmm. Um, to do the one so, who should hold the charter to Zimbabwe, <laughs> right? The Queen of England. Okay, <laughs> exactly. I guess uh, so. Like Britain, Britain didn't like militarily occupy Zimbabwe at this time, right? So Rhodes is just going in on his own. He gets a light. He, the Queen's like, "Go for it!" Gives him the thumbs up, and he's rocking on his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, with some, but with his, with, with his company, basically. with the company, which allows you to say yeah. like the other. So you're getting permission from your sovereign, but that's also yeah. you're getting a little bit of money because you're getting buy in from the crown because they want to invest in this shit. And because it's backed by the crown, this makes it a safer investment in a way for other uh, capitalists, other people who'd probably made fucking money like in random diamond mines, other insane 19th century shit to also get in so that you can really buy a shitload of guns. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, okay, well, I think we're all on board. All right. Let's see what happens mm-hmm. next. Um, yeah. I mean, I think another question to ask ourselves is, you know, what the fuck is with being the richest man in the world and trying to create like a colony, like, and yeah. naming it after yourself. Mm-hmm. We're seeing it today. Like Jeff Bezos, uh, Elon Musk are all really Jeff Bezos just stepped down as the head of Amazon to focus on like creating his little colony on Mars. Like, yeah. Yep. You know what I mean? Which There's, he will call Bezos Town or something like that, right? <laughs> Bezos Asia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and so it, you know, so Rhodes goes to Zimbabwe. Does he ever find the gold? Um. You know, there was no like, <laughs> like <laughs> he got lucky once. He didn't get lucky twice. Like, really? Because there is like a ton of gold there, right? He didn't. It was at depths that I think weren't able like accessible at mm. those times. Mm. Okay. And there was like some top gold that was like like there was a very small amount, which is why he thought it was there from these old records. But that was turned out to be like be basically non-existent. And so they had to kind of repurpose the country into other industries they started off with agriculture which was a very expo- exploited exploitative um process it basically involved going to land kicking the black people who lived there off or telling them to pay taxes to the new owner 
And to pay those taxes, they could work for them <laughs> on their farm that used to be their land. <laughs> well, the queen said so. Victoria herself <laughs> was like, listen. Guys. So it's like uh, it's enclosure spread to this colony, right? Like, you know, works works so good in uh, England and Ireland. Let's 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 uh, franchise it out. Exactly. The British already had this down. Like this was in mm-hmm. their muscle memory. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Building like a feudal system. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's their go-to like. a weird feudal capitalist hybrid yeah uh, mm-hmm. yeah they've been doing this they, this is the exact model of the east india company the way they took over india which you know the same thing where you have a, a, a royal charter some rich people some rich capitalists give them a bunch of guns where they actually like hire armies that look just like the british army and are full of the same <laughs> like you know same scottish bog monsters and uh and they go and just like just like they're the crown but it's like somehow this weird corporation mm-hmm. exactly yeah he established the british south african company they brought like gatling guns and stuff like with them in the pioneer column um they brought like some sort of like mega light like a super like flashlight to like shine behind them while they rode in the night to stop people from following them um okay yeah. Yeah, I, I remember reading that and being like, "What the hell?" <laughs> like, but yeah, like it will shine behind them as if like their like their shadows are like really big, or like they or or because like they shine it behind them so that like the, it's just too bright and they can't um they can't follow them because it's the the brightness. I think it was the brightness. It was just to discourage the the natives from following them and figuring mm. out what they were doing. Mm. <laughs> Flashlights. That's <laughs> a mechanism of war back then. But yeah. Um, it then developed into a colony, um, industrialized, uh, declared independence from the British after a while, and all the whites got together and decided that they didn't want to be a like, British colony anymore. They wanted to be their own, much like how America had their own independence. The white men... This is, <laughs> this is 65, right? Yeah. Um, well, uh, correct, yeah. Yeah, I, I do want to... Um, <clears throat> we I think it, like, because this era is really important and i think it's mm-hmm. important to also just touch on world war ii for a second as well because I, that was like a very consequential time for the uk and as a byproduct for all of their colonies as well and yeah. um the second world war really kind of set the stage for udi which is like um unilateral declaration of independence um and so like you know in the second world war um actually had an impact on the rhodesian economy um, in combination with specific like economic policies and strategies adopted by the colonial state to deal with economic challenges posed by the war. And that resulted in like relatively like rapid growth for Rhodesia's uh, manufacturing sector. So it transformed the economy um, from like a heavy dependency on agriculture and mining to like a more diversified one. And industrial expansion during the Second World War was fueled by a combination of like import substitution and war needed uh, and war needs and increased uh, a domestic demand as well. And so that was like a very key moment in the, I think, the industrial production and evolution of Rhodesia too uh, in making the Second it, World making War. Making it more possible for them to actually think that they could like go it alone as not a, just a colony, but an independent country. Right, right. There's, I mean, there's also that like, I mean, the war the British empire got its ass kicked all around the globe and went completely fucking broke in debt many times over 
mostly to the United States, and so was losing their empire, right? Like in various ways, the labor government was basically more or less in some ways uh, in favor of that. Uh, you know, India, the jewel of the British Empire against independence, they took their independence in 48, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so then there's like this string after that of just one after the other. By the, by the early 60s, they've basically like arrived at this as like a policy where like there's nothing they can do to stop it. So, and and British politics is such that as much as many people in Britain may like hate it, that they're losing their empire and how whatever, like it is happening, but they have to like set up some kind of democracy where everybody votes. Do you guys have a sense of like what, how to look back on that on history? Like what part of that is propaganda? Like what part of that is like legit? I know like the, it factors significantly in the Rhodesian story. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Rhodesia was actually comprised like of two different, you know, territories. There was Northern Rhodesia and Southern Rhodesia, and Southern Rhodesia is what now is now Zimbabwe. And so, in Southern Rhodesia at that time, there were two hundred thousand white settlers, and they had a minority rule of uh, three million blacks. So that's like um. Africans had 15 times the population of the 200,000 white settlers. That was kind of like the condition. And like, I think the British Empire at that time, usually the tactic, and you see this in France and you see this in the UK too, is when they usually say majority rule, um, they, I think it's a half truth, right? Because, um, and Evan, I want to hear your take on this too. But, you know, in my view, majority rule can be like technically true, but they're kind of looking for, you know, people within that majority who will go to bat for the UK, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Mm -hmm. People who, you know, to kind of establish almost a neo-colonial order where, yes, technically it's run by um, Africans, but those Africans are very loyal to the crown, right? Mm -hmm. Or very, you know, responsive and not um, antagonistic necessarily, right? Um, Yeah. Someone who can like maintain very... uh, strong and favorable diplomatic relations in that respect. Right. And to go from like a colony to a client. Right. Essentially where publicly you're saying, Oh, they're independent, but really, uh, they're dependent and, uh, you know, significantly controlled by the metropole. Right. Right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Evan, what do you think? Definitely when looking at, you know, colonization, it's important to consider the types of colonies as well. You have some that were just colonies that had a very small population of settlers there. And then you had some that were pegged out for settlement by white people or by the uh, colonizers. Mm-hmm. In the places where you had large settlements, the concept of one man, one vote became much more contentious. It was really mm-hmm. easy to decolonize places like Ghana and Nigeria and um you know, places where there, because it was easy, you know, there was no, but mm-hmm. in places where you've got a concentration of people who've been ruling the country and settled there. Yeah. You then have to negotiate with them a way for their, them to share their power with the population they've been ruling over for that long. Mm. Well, Settlers. It, ma- it makes yeah. sense for the sort of white ruling class of Rhodesia at that point then to unilaterally declare their independence, right? Because they can't allow somebody else to create the terms, the new right. terms of an mm-hmm. independent uh, 
state there, right? Because they're so, I mean, what was the, what was the numbers he said? I mean, they're what, I mean, they're two, so outnumbered. 200,000 yeah. or a little 200, more than 200,000 to 3 million. million. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, I mean, it was just wildly outnumbered, right? So, so in a way, so really like the main obstacle in the case of Rhodesia was the current white ruling population who were not going to let that happen. Exactly. Yeah. So what did they do? <laughs> they declared independence, the only other British colony besides the one that we live in today <laughs> to ever do so. Yeah. Um, cool. <laughs> hey, it worked out great here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unilateral independence. The only difference being that the word unilateral was not invented when America <laughs> declared their independence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. It was just you can think of it as the exact same thing. Um, and well, that pointing in out 1965, like, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and point point. I guess the unilateral part is pointing out that is saying that like whereas the British government was very the the empire was like in collusion in a way with some of their col- colonies declaring independence. They were doing that with their sort of go ahead and in cooperation transferring power to people who on one level or another they had cultivated. Um, to do that, and this was going specifically against uh, London in this decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And again, like very similar to America, where it wasn't a amicable split. Split. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the big differences is that <laughs> England didn't go to war with Rhodesia. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> very <the> key. <laughs> yeah, and they actually told them. It's like right after independence, the British ambassador or whatever, some British uh, (laughs) high up parliament person was like, oh, no, we're not going to send troops down here. Like, nah, we're not doing that. Which, like, first of all, why would you tell them that? Like, that's your only card you really have to play besides sanctions. (laughs) You let them know, oh, no, we're not using that against you. Like, (laughs) you're going to use sanctions. That was Harold Harold Wilson, the British prime minister at the time. Labor MP. Mm -hmm. Labor Labor MP. And he only had one. um, He had a majority of one seat on parliament and, you know, feared that, like, kind of a bloody military invasion. I mean, this is their line, right? Like, um, you know, doing a bloody like military invasion would be really unpopular in the metropole and could throw a seat in jeopardy, right? And it's also kind of like doing doing white on white crime in a way, which would not really go over well. Um, so we thought so. Um, you know, military invasion was was extreme for him in that in that case. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it should be pointed out, like as much as we to sort of differentiate Zimbabwe, been saying like that the British Empire was like. I don't want to make it sound like they were like totally willingly like giving independence to all these people around the world. This was like there were, they had a specific political posture that did involve like, like you said, Eben, like cultivating clients, you know, like people who were amenable to the empire still and still maintaining their sphere of influence and keeping out the Soviets and, and on and on. But like, it wasn't always like a peaceful thing. I mean, in, the British colony of Kenya throughout the fifties, they were mm-hmm. like massacring people in concentration camps because of the, the Mau Mau uprising. Um, they basically, you know, where an indigenous independence movement rose up against the British colonial rule. And they basically went to like full on concentration camp tactics and like murdered like enormous numbers of people. Then that was just like, that had just ended like, five years before this. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in many ways, it was um, the Mau Mau were inspiration for what the black people of Zimbabwe later went on to do. Um, mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. They definitely got a lot of inspiration from them. And so the, the you know, this new Rhodesian state, uh, maybe the British didn't resist, but also uh, maybe the British aren't their best friends. Do they got any friends in the area that maybe can help them out? Uh, to, st- to start with, yeah, they did. They had, <laughs> but not for long. I mean, as the countries around them decolonized. Mm-hmm. So initially they were surrounded by, to the north, northern Rhodesia. So <laughs> obviously an ally. Um, <laughs> Mozambique and the Portuguese on their eastern border. Mm-hmm. Um, the British in uh, Botswana on their western border and the Afrikaners and British in South Africa on their southern border. Mm-hmm. One by one, all of those countries gained their independence um, with the exception of South Africa, who didn't gain their independence until my lifetime. <laughs> until mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. And one by one, they were slowly surrounded by hostile countries on three of their four borders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so Rhodesia and South Africa become these holdouts of mm-hmm. sort of like uh, white color, like old school white colonization in Africa. Exactly. Yeah. Is there an independence movement in Rhodesia at this time? Like a um, black independence movement, not a, not, <laughs> not, not Ian Smith or whatever his name is, but like an actual African independence movement. Yeah. It started off nonviolent um, with Robert Mugabe, actually. Mm-hmm. He was then arrested and thrown in jail for something like 20 years, as was like the practice that you hear for all of these African leaders, like Nelson Mandela. All of them were in jail for like absurd amounts of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that sounds like a short sentence for America. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's just a weed charge. <laughs> you, you, could, yeah. you could be an uh, independence leader uh, fighting the empire in Africa or just somebody who shoplifted in America. <laughs> yeah, three strikes, man. <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So I mean, seriously. Yeah, thrown in prison, right? Yeah, very common story around the area at the time. Um, so, so there, there is this independence movement. What's its sort of situation? Is it strong, weak? You know? Yeah. So, it, I'd say there was ten years post UDI that we have to look at. There, it started off kind of disorganized, and I think one really important thing, like we talked on earlier, was the de- decolonization of the countries around it. Mm-hmm. As Mozambique became an ally too. As Mozambique became a black-run country, and as Botswana and Zambia all became black-run countries, the support for uh, Zimbabwe's or Rhodesia's African nationalist movement was much stronger. Mm-hmm. Right, and so um, you know, in Zambia, for instance, like um, I guess Evan, do you want to talk about like Joshua and Como and uh, Mugabe and just like kind of the two different? Um, I guess, groups that they come from, like, you know, like, uh, uh, Mugabe is Shona, where, um, uh, and Como, I think is in Dele, right? Um, is that, is that right? Mm-hmm. So there was two simultaneous, um, black nationalist movements going on at the same time. One was led by Joshua and Como and his, I always get the two confused, but I believe his army was called Zipra. Yeah. Yeah. Zipra. And they were in Nabele. They were supported um, more by the commun- or, uh, Chinese, excuse me. And uh, or I believe they're actually Russian backed. Pardon me. No, they're they were backed by the USSR. Yeah, pardon me. I got those two. Like Zipra Zanla, it's so easy. To like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Zipra Zanu Zan- Zipra Zanla Zanu Zapu 
or like the names yeah. of like each party had his army and like yeah it becomes a whole thing yeah let's yeah. ever have meetings and people shut up to the wrong one on accident <laughs> yeah <laughs> people realize they're like fighting in the wrong army <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah so uh joshua's army was fighting out of zambia whereas mugabe's army was fighting out of mozambique mugabe's mm. was heavily shona um at times they did fight each other but they were two coherent movements the sort of like general um how do i put this the sort of like best way to describe them is that the zipra army joshua Como's, was much more organized but much smaller so they had like they sent a lot of their people to the ussr to get like really formal training and had all these mm-hmm. like combat techniques and knew how to i don't know like shoot mortars and double stack landmines and do sort of crazy things. <laughs> yeah, trained. <laughs> They're trained. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. yeah. Whereas Mugabe's group was a bit more like ragtag, but there was just way more of them. And mm-hmm. they were just a lot of young men. I mean, if you look at the demographics of the country, there's just way more Shona people than there are in Nibele. And so, yeah, there were a lot of young men who just left their villages, walked over to Mozambique in the middle of the night, got an AK-47, met up with some friends and went and waged, um guerrilla warfare on a country mm-hmm. right which like first of all uh, mind-blowing that people were doing this yeah yeah yeah, I was, yeah. yeah and, and and i guess like also like you know that ragtag nature like you know uh mugabe's like first attempt it did uh kind of fail and then he actually sought um advising counsel and subsequent training from uh chairman mao uh, in mm-hmm. China and Mao actually uh, kind of taught him like the essence of like a people's movement and a people's army, which then more like professionalized, um, you know, the group of the group of rebels. Right. Um, and, you know, guerrilla warfare to the point where like now they can not, they can like kind of be more organized and actually then, uh, uh, you know, take, take power in that way. And so like, actually like, uh, you know, the teachings of like Mao Zedong, like really, uh, really helped out Mugabe in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. They were and really fond of, oh, sorry, what was that? Oh, and so this was the Bush War, basically, right? That yeah. mm-hmm. is being waged throughout essentially the entire 15-year life of, uh, of Rhodesia, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was the Bush War. Um, and yeah, of course, it started out slow. I think like the first uh, interaction, like the very first one, was just a group of guys who like stabbed somebody with a knife, just a farmer and left like a note that said forward with the Chimaranga forward with the war and then mm-hmm. ran back off into the woods. And there's like six guys called the crocodile gang. And they were mm-hmm. like the very first ones to do it. And then by the end, um, <laughs> the entire country was occupied territory occupied by the uh, guerrilla fighters. All right. All right. So, <laughs> yeah. It was a long process, 15 years, but yeah. And so how does uh, Rhodesia then fall apart, right? So like when does it stop being Rhodesia and become Zimbabwe and, and how does that happen? Yeah, sure. So it was a negotiation brokered by the British. Um, things basically just got so like the country was basically just drained. They had like all of their like literally every man over the age of 15 that was a white Rhodesian was drafted into the army. You only have 300,000 of them. They're like were running out of like bullets and like, like they, you couldn't find a colored 
colored film in the country anymore. Like they're just running out of like mm-hmm. basic necessities. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> they ran. They ran out of the color on the film, so everything became black and white. Like you know, photography wise and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Not like, good actually, for posts. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you needed a metaphor or anything. Yeah. <laughs> You can actually like date photos like, oh, this isn't color. This must be like from before the end of the <laughs> Yeah, they were just running out of like basic supplies, bullets, like farmers couldn't get tractor parts for their tractors because no one would mm-hmm. give them anything. No one would do any trade. There was a weird flip side to this, though. I think when you touched on it earlier, where the country did build up a huge import um, substitution market after mm-hmm. World War II. And this is what really allowed them to go for 15 years um, with no international trade besides from South Africa. Yeah. And, you know, it should be noted, I don't know if we've said it explicitly yet, but no country in the world, including South Africa, like formally recognized Rhodesia, right? You know, I mean, they, <laughs> yeah. they are a yeah. bit of a pariah state at this point. Mm-hmm. They were completely unrecognized by the world, like an yeah. illegitimate state. Although it should be acknowledged that, you know, South Africa had great relations with them and the United States allowed a diplomatic mission <laughs> in, in, in D.C. But, yeah, uh, so which yeah. is. Yeah. recognition in all but name well it means yeah. the cia recognized them yeah, <laughs> yeah. right exactly yeah <laughs> yeah um so so when does it fall apart then for them yeah so eventually there was like a sort of uh they had sort of like phases i guess the first one was like all right we'll let you get you blacks vote you can uh, mm-hmm. we give up we're tired of fighting this war you guys can vote, but we're keeping control of the army and like the entire economy. It's like when are they going to vote on? Yeah, it's like when the, uh, exactly. the principal of the school tells you you can have a student government, right? You know, mm-hmm. like yeah, they're, they're, you get to vote on where you want the new soda machines. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. as long as you choose from the two places I pre-arranged. Yeah. And so that was a nice little situation called Zimbabwe Rhodesia, the hybrid government. <laughs> mm-hmm. Where and yeah, the war continued. That didn't stop the war. Yeah, the well, they, they like, basically tried to pull. Um, you know, they basically tried to pull that you know trick of saying, "Oh, what we have a because they they got a le- black leader called a uh, uh, Bishop Abel um, Mozarea, I believe, yeah. um, and uh, he he was kind of like the token figure for." Um, uh, you know, very, very moderate, like kind of centrist, almost like, you know, uh, has good relations with Ian Smith, who was the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, prime minister of um, Rhodesia. And, um, you know, they were like, hey, we have we have black leadership. We have black government um, like this is it. And we're actually going to be like a joint like Zimbabwe hyphen Rhodesia. Like, and, uh, you know, this is when like Margaret Thatcher just came into power too. And so yeah, this is uh 1979, right? Yep. Yep. This yeah. is 79. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And funny. so, yeah. And, that, and that's what they tried to do. And they're like, yeah, so stop fighting, put your guns down. Like we gave you guys like, right. It's like, we still control the army. We still control the civil service and the police. Uh, but you know, <laughs> you, have, you have everything else. Yeah. We, we control the entire school, but you can choose from two prearranged locations where to put the soda machine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> And it's funny. Why not? I mean, it works in America. Why not fucking do it? Right? <laughs> I mean, you're, just describing, you're just this dynamic is just like American politics, yeah, basically. Yeah. Like, Everybody you couldn't even get fucking Bernie. That, uh, that, that was like, mo- 
like more of a would have been more of a compromise than this. Yeah, but. every American is listening to us describe this as like sounds like democracy to me. I don't. Yeah. Think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what? So um, what? What did the? Uh, yeah, what did the the people running this guerrilla war think of? Uh, these people they had been who had been propped up as supposedly their democratic representatives. Yeah, it's funny actually. The guy who was propped up, Bishop Abrahamuswewa. Well, first of all, the war continued, uh, yeah. but that wasn't even like the catalyst. <laughs> the moderate just quit. He said, "I'm not doing this shit." Like, yeah, he said, this he's is a mess. mess. <laughs> <laughs> he resigned. Like, <laughs> within a few months, he was like, "Oh God, I'm not dealing with this." <laughs> he, he even said in an interview, he was like, "I had, I had, I had a conversation with Jesus. I was, I was talking to God, and he just said." no more. You cannot do this. You have to walk away. So yeah. I just woke up the next day and <laughs> walked the hell away. <laughs> and that was the end of Zimbabwe Rhodesia. <laughs> well, like, once he got into office, he was probably allowed like access to 10% more information than he'd previously seen. It was like, holy fuck. <laughs> like, just didn't realize how fucked he was. I was like, nope, nope, nope. Also, like, you know, um, when the CIA are like the only people in the world who don't want to kill you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, you're that's not a safe place to be. So, yeah, he gave up. Um, the war continued. They then had something called the Lancaster House Agreement, which called for like actual elections and like actual power sharing. Where like everyone went to the metropole of Britain. So like, you know, like Mugabe, mm -hmm. I think Joshua Nkomo, Bishop, Ian Smith, they all went up to... Um, to London, right? Um, or Lancaster to, mm -hmm. uh, to broker that deal. And it was like a kind of like a negotiation of sorts. Yeah. And there were some of like just, you know, stipulations in there. It was things like for this long, for this many years after the country, after the first election, you have to still keep seats for this many white people in parliament and things like that were hammered out. But yeah, yeah so they had general elections. So um, did, how did, I mean, did uh, all the like people fighting in the Bush war just like go into an election booth or what? <laughs> yeah, well, that's actually a really interesting point. So uh, in the final chapter of Andre Schieper's, uh memoir, We Dare to Win, he was a Rhodesian soldier fighting for Rhodesia. And he writes in the last chapter of the book, the very end of the war. He's still thinking, he's still talking about, oh yeah, no, we've got con contingent plans. Like we're going to win this. Like, you know, we've got plans, you know, even if mm -hmm. Mugabe gets elected, we still have some backup plans and we're going to win this. <laughs> what, I mean, what, okay. So we're starting to get that. We're starting to get our first peek into the mindset, I think mm -hmm. here. Okay. Like <laughs> is it, it's the Germans in Berlin who are like, oh, we just break out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have the we'll have the russians whipped like what yeah how how do you not understand like at a certain point that your position is untenable like when <laughs> not like an entire not fucking entire country an entire continent like wants you and like your brothers and cousins gone you know like yeah. mm -hmm. And and this is right after like basically like after the Zimbabwe Rhodesia deal, you know, with the bishop, um, you know, was proposed. Uh, you know, the guerrillas responded by um, directly like targeting and blowing up like petroleum plants and stuff. Like, I mean, like I mean, really, just like you know, hitting them where it hurts, which was like sent mm -hmm. a song signal, like you know, like, this is not 
we're not settling for this. I mean, so like their mm-hmm. actual capital is getting like blown up in their face <laughs> and they're still like, yeah, yeah no, we're, we're, we're about to win. Don't worry. Like yeah. we're going to be legends. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> he's literally, he's, he's sitting in like a demilitarization station, like having his guns taken away from him. And he's writing that, Oh no, we've got plans to get, like, we're going to, we're going to be fine. Like, <laughs> like, independence is like a day away. Like, what are you thinking? Like, yeah, he's like, yeah, exactly. He's like my higher up command, uh, Peter Walls, that just like told us that <laughs> we've got plans to like eliminate the threat if this if Mugabe wins the election, which was inevitable. I mean, one in twenty five yeah. people was voting for Mugabe. <laughs> like, yeah. This speaks to a real, just like serious delusion that mm-hmm. is, you know, uh, I don't know. Sounds very familiar because like the entire basis of like uh, white settler colonialism in Africa had always been imperialism. Like it had those two things had to go together to be like tenable at all. The, even the British empire had many times as well as other European powers got their shit absolutely rocked by people on the continent at times when they were able to organize the, a large enough political and military force and outnumber uh, the Europeans. I mean, that had been going on, since the mid 19th century and certainly like the imperialists knew this right like the people in london and the the you know the smart money was obviously like they gave this up they they were abandoning their empire in in its in its like uh or pre-war form because they couldn't hold on to it like that was just very clear to everyone except I guess these like delusional hill people who I guess do, what what is like what is the thing do they think they're like they think they're doing something special by is that what it is do they think they're like a special breed of hardy scott who have tamed <laughs> the the wilderness and brought civilization to the jungle and not that it's just they're just the they're just the last like finger in the <laughs> arm of empire that is doing that you know like yeah, that's exactly what it is. I mean, they declared their own independence and did it for 10 years. So they kind of see themselves as – and even Ian Smith was saying things mm-hmm. like, oh, not in a thousand years. A thousand-year Reich, right? Oh, that's familiar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the Rhodesian government waged a huge propaganda campaign. I mean, the country was literally mm-hmm. collapsing. They had – their immigration was through the roof. Mm-hmm. And they still needed soldiers to fight this war. And so mm-hmm. they did things like have everyone – like mandatory citizens would have to send letters to people in London that they knew, like encouraging them to move to Rhodesia. <laughs> like everything was fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when you all of a sudden out of the blue, just start, everybody, you know, starts getting these weird letters that you should move to Rhodesia. You know, everything is fine and you yeah. should go. Right? Everything's That's normal. Gonna, yeah, everything's normal and uh, definitely not a problem. And like regular yeah. style. If I guess, you know, they were losing numbers. Maybe they thought that was their problem, but like it wouldn't matter. Like, yeah. I mean, crazy, crazy to not just leave. It was, it, it's an unsustainable system, right? Like it's never yeah. going <laughs> to, yeah, exactly. The writing's on the wall. This isn't going to work out. <laughs> like, so, yeah. yeah. Well, so, so we've, you know, kind of mapped this history of Rhodesia, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this state that it had to seem from the very beginning, which is probably why countries like the United States didn't recognize it, come out and diplomatically recognize it, right? Officially. Um, it's the, it was doomed from the beginning. Right? It's a doomed project, clearly not going to work. Uh, mm-hmm. And it just slowly limps its way to the inevitable conclusion. So 
what is the take of your average 16 year old in uh, on his parents' computer in rural Indiana in 2021? Uh, what, what's their take on the Rhodesian government and what happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you see, like I talked about earlier, three people online. You've got like your racist old actual Rhodesians. Mm-hmm. You've got your 16 year olds who watch the Rhodesians YouTube videos and are like, wow, so cool. I love Rhodesia. <laughs> 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 and then you've got actual like white supremacists who are maybe the most dangerous and frightening of the, the people who mm-hmm. are obsessed with this country. Um, I, d- I don't know what's going on with you, like, a lot of these people. Um, I was fascinated by it. There's a few things, right? So Rhodesia waged a crazy propaganda pe- campaign. And there are all these, like, super sick photos of people running around in the bush in Africa in short shorts with machine guns. And your average 16-year-old whose mind isn't developed yet logs onto Reddit and sees that. And it's like, wow, it looks so nice. Like, so cool. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, you can dress comfortably <laughs> and uh, sling a rifle, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look at these like hardy men who live this rugged lifestyle and fought for capitalism or whatever the fuck they're thinking. Like, mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it's, it's the usual. It's the uh, like the youthful base of fascism, right? Of like, here I'm living my soft life when I could be the rugged man running through the woods with the machine gun or whatever, right? Exactly. It's, it's romantic. Mm-hmm. And I think there's like a lot of parallels there too between the this weird obsession that we see with the Confederacy mm-hmm. and with Rhodesia. I think you know you'd find some crossover at least between the people who drive around Oregon with a Confederate flag and then go home and post on Reddit about Rhodesia. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, and what are what are they posting about it? I mean, like, what what could anyone in America yeah, do you possibly have, some have to example? say? Do you have something to bring to us, like? Uh, some treats from this this subculture you can share with us? Yeah, definitely. I think we should start off with my favorite here. Yeah, let's do that. Let's start off with that one because it's so fucking ridiculous. All right, so <laughs> this is uh this is the this is the drawing that Eben found. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's start off with this drawing of Ian Smith <laughs> posted to <laughs> posted to Reddit two to, twelve days ago. What the fuck? <laughs> it's, it's like a racist. It looks like a racist art project. <laughs> it's like, wait, it's like a map you would do for a, um, for like your weekly geography in fourth grade. Exactly. With the portrait of, of Ian Smith, the, the leader of, uh, independent Rhodesia. And look at with, the handwriting on that like, too. This yeah. is clearly a child. Like in the, yeah. The eye in Rhodesia is like an upside down AK forty seven. Oh, that's cool, drawn. actually. <laughs> the handwriting is just all just, slanted and like terrible. It looks like a racist art project to me. <laughs> I like that the first comment was, "I was born in Fort Victoria." Thanks for sharing your great talent. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful! Wow, the old and the young connecting. Yeah. The internet is so beautiful. <laughs> Here we've got. Okay, that's from, just uh, bizarre. <laughs> Pizza Time Boys comments, good shit, King. <laughs> <laughs> and for the listeners, we're going to post links to all these in the chat, so definitely follow along. This one's a candidate for uh, episode cover, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're actually, we're gonna, each one of us will have our own individual version of this, or it's our face. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we need to recreate these. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this rocks, uh, clearly. 
it's kind of funny because it doesn't really convey anything other than they <laughs> like Rhodesia, I guess. Like and Ian Smith. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. sort of a weird um as propaganda goes, it does look like a child's art project. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's so weird that anyone would even remember or care about this, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I, so just the fact that this 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 spe- uh, specifically white supremacist state at a time when it, you know, that only existed for 15 years, at a time when even the rest of the world and the empire was saying, go away, please, uh, <laughs> that anyone would remember it fondly is... Um, Cool. It's very cool. Okay, what else you got? Got some more good good comments. Uh, oh, what do we got here? This is yeah. Describe this for us, Abba. The same weird fandom. Um, before we get too deep into like people actually having discussions, it's just this. We can start off with this weird obsession. Like this is someone mm. clearly not in Rhodesia, probably somewhere in like the Midwest or maybe the UK, who's planted a Rhodesian flag on their yard three months ago on the um, the anniversary of UDI. And it's safe to say, uh, especially if this is in the U.S., literally nobody driving by, because it's right by, like, a road or his driveway or something, nobody driving by knows what the fuck this is. They probably think it's some sort of weird Irish pride shit or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it looks medieval. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The Rhodesian flag, not a good flag. No. It's flag Trash flag. (laughs) But it's just a, it's a tri-color green, white, green, so you already had to repeat a color. You only have three colors to choose. Three color locations and you already failed you can only come up with two and then it looks like leprechauns and a pot of gold or i don't know what the fuck is <laughs> just for the listener to, to describe what this looks like i mean the flag sucks there's no way you'd be able to figure out what the fuck it is mm-hmm. um and then what's what's that caption right under it that I, from cell phone guy who i assume put, posted <laughs> this cell phone guy one two three on this anniversary of Rhodesia's unilateral declaration of independence, I would like to remember all the men who died fighting for Rhodesia in the Bush War. I would also like to remember all the Rhodesians who were displaced when Zimbabwe was established. Rhodesia might be gone, but Rhodesians never die. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. First of all, you just said Rhodesians died fighting in the Bush War. So yeah, yeah, I don't want to just like question your logic there. Not, not a memorial if they never die. Right? Um, that is... Wow. Uh, <laughs> it's, it reminds me of that, uh, the South will rise again, these sort of weird catchphrases, Rhodesians never mm-hmm. die. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. These weird taglines. Yeah. Like, uh, well, like, oh, sorry, what was that? Oh, I was going to say, that one's like they got it from like an 80s movie, I feel like. <laughs> yeah. like, like South will rise again is like early 20th century uh, propaganda. Rhodesians never die is, I remember this like that's, 80s film that I saw this, once. This, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, it is. Holy shit. It's the line from the Goonies. Yeah, yeah, Goonies never die. It's, oh my God. That is so. Oh, oh my God. I think we've cracked part of the code. So, I, I, so the other thing that was, so in the commentary, right, it has, you know, all the Rhodesians who are displaced. And this is clearly like a big part of the uh, truth or mythos, right? That's fucking hilarious. And I was telling Greg this off air. When I was like 16, I was staying with my uncle in Indiana. And my uncle's just this like weirdo uh, like guy who owns a construction company who mainly makes money just like ripping off his workers and not paying their wages, right? And, you know, just one of these guys <laughs> who's like part of the Trump base, right? I mean, has money, but is like a small business tyrant and all this kind of shit generally an idiot has no like th- interesting thoughts or really any thoughts on like 
politics or international politics or anything like that. And I just remember one day we were like sitting at the dinner table and he just starts going on about white farmers in Zimbabwe being <laughs> run off their land. Jesus. And I just remember thinking like, this guy doesn't have a coherent political thought about Indiana farmers. Yeah. <laughs> like, why, like I'm 100% sure if I pulled up a map of Africa, he could not point out Zimbabwe on the map yet somehow has a deep concern or feeling about the plight of the white Zimbabwean. That is really uh, funny. Does uh, how much of that is in these these sort of forums and stuff? This this guy I've just described. Uh, I don't know. You actually don't see a lot of talk of the farmers, weirdly enough. Like, <laughs> I don't understand why. This is maybe a weird thing only my uncle cared about. <laughs> well, it's, they do because, like, and I think, Eben, you're mm-hmm. um, going to touch on this, but, like, um, one of the big kind of grievances um, about Mugabe, I mean, other than the fact that, you know, he was, like, a revolutionary who, you know, took over the country for the actual majority rule and, like, demolish the minority rule um he also then like implemented a policy um i think in the late 90s or early 2000s of um seizing uh white-owned uh farms and mm-hmm. uh without any compensation whatsoever and you know it was it was it was Based. brutal and even you know controversial and even like you know within um you know zimbabwe because i mean like you know people even like uh, you know, died too um, with mm-hmm. those seizures, mm-hmm. right? And so um, that that, and also, you know, um, I think that that's usually what like the post Rhodesian grievances, um, mm-hmm. you know, amongst other things. Mm-hmm. But that was kind of just a big moment in Zimbabwean history when um, Mugabe decided to do, um, you know, uh, white white farm owner seizures. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Americans just going, could you believe it? These guys just came in. Took, and the, took land. the land. Didn't give them yeah. any money. <laughs> and, then <were> dis- <laughs> and then were displaced. Oh, displaced. The, the white displaced. people of Rhodesia were displaced. They had to go somewhere else <laughs> off their land. Where could they go? <laughs> and fucking amazing. I mean, it, it, incredible. Like, yeah, it's crazy that, you know, these people, these settlers could think this, but this is a well, like, understood phenomenon, the sort of settler ethos and worldview and then you know combine that with white supremacy as well Mm -hmm. but like yeah to to give a shit about it i mean i guess it's not that surprising we're a a, um settler colonial culture of white supremacy and uh you know game recognized game i guess like (laughs) yeah uh, Yeah. i guess like if you are completely committed to not having a any kind of political understanding of what's going on with other white people in Indiana, like, uh, you know, how they're being exploited, how you are yourself participating in that exploitation, then, um, but you are also being exploited on a whole other level. Um, then I guess maybe, you know, that's one of the functions of, uh, white supremacy, right. Is to make you fucking obsessed with that shit instead of, looking at uh capitalist exploitation and understanding that so mm-hmm. yeah your uncle sounds like a, a real cool guy brian oh he uh, has <laughs> continued to be cool later in life, let me tell you uh so so we have this other picture that you have put up that is a cartoon that we're looking at here of three large men one being the, uh, the soviet union one being china another being the u.s 
and they're pointing at Little Rhodesia. Can you give us maybe some some details on this? Yeah. I think this is part of the fascination with the country, right, that we see in these forums. They see this as like some rogue outlaw country that was just harmless and doing its little thing and working towards majority rule in a thousand Mm -hmm. years. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that if these like huge foreign countries came and interfered and fucked everything up and now it's a mess or whatever. And really, we shouldn't have even worried about Rhodesia. Which, like, mm-hmm. first of all, like, why are you so worried about Rhodesia? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. And I don't know. There's just this weird sort of, like, th- um, feeling of betrayal, I guess, that a lot of them have. Which is yeah. weird because, again, they have no connection to the country. I don't know why they'd feel betrayed. But there's this thought that, like, the Western world turned its back on Rhodesia. Well, I think, you know, this this idea, right? So we're talking about this sort of grievance politics mm-hmm. of... Uh, Rhodesia fitting very nicely into the sort of lost cause myth slash uh, great betrayal, kind of like Germany after World War One. Um, mm-hmm. And there is like a hint of truth to it in that a country like Rhodesia really could only exist with international support. Mm-hmm. And it was a pawn and a game, right, a, you know, in the Cold War. And essentially the international situation changed, right? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> the United States via South Africa did not want to support Rhodesia anymore because it thought it was a losing cause, because it was. And uh, you know, let it fall apart. But it's this kind of thing of like, that's not betrayal. You're just an idiot who <laughs> believed your boss <laughs> when he said he liked you and you're part of the family. <laughs> you know, like, you're just an idiot. You know? <laughs> And maybe, like, one decent argument that they do make, and I wouldn't even say this is a good argument, but one argument they do make is that, well, why the fuck do we have to redistribute our land? Like, the U.S. hasn't yeah. done anything. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> why are we getting all the heat for this? Why can't – everybody's racist. Why can't we just be racist like everybody else? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? No, there's a, there's a good answer to that, and it's mm-hmm. that there's someone there to take it away from them. Yeah, yeah, it's like you've lost <laughs> politically. That's, that's, yeah. that's, that's the accuracy. You got your ass kicked. That's why. Yeah, you got your ass kicked. Like, yeah. um, I guess you should have done that, like, um, global-scale genocide or a lot earlier that you're dreaming about now because that's what worked in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think, you know, I, one of the interesting things about this, other than the fact that it, they have bombs behind them that say hydrogen bomb, atom bomb, and then in warhead, which is kind of funny, but <laughs> other than the, the kind of slightly inexplicable <laughs> background, they do say, they have this thing where they're pointing this saying, you're a threat to world peace. And the grand irony is like, at least when it comes to Southern Africa, I mean, like Rhodesia is very much a threat to world peace. I mean, they're funding uh, right-wing terrorist organizations in Mozambique, right? Mm -hmm. They're funneling, you know, weapons and soldiers into Angola. Like, I mean, (laughs) they are participating in the expansion of conflicts that are killing huge numbers of people across (laughs) Southern Africa. (laughs) And it's because they are a cutout of the CIA, essentially, right? Via South Mm -hmm. Africa, right? Like they're, they're, you know, a piece the U S has created, but like, in that sense, like, I mean, they aren't just the little guy there. They actually are a problem. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like after the war, I think we talked about this earlier, but they've kind of, a lot of them walked down into like South Africa, like literally walked. The soldiers mm-hmm. like <laughs> walked yeah. like days into South Africa and joined like basically became like armies for hire. Yeah. And worked to like destabilize like black movements and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah we talked <laughs> about this a little bit before we start recording, but 
these the Rhodesian military and police forces essentially become like the basis of the modern mercenary, you know, class that now we're like cursed with forever. Right. But, uh, you know, they are the mercenary armies that, yeah, are uh, killing left wing movements around the world for 20 years. And until the Iraq war comes around in 2003 and gives us a whole new supply of psychotic uh, mercenaries uh, yeah. via Americans, water. Yeah. But, you know, uh, yeah, they are. They are like these. these... <laughs> they're like 1970s Americans. They're two. They're 2000 <laughs> yeah. era Americans transporting to the 70s. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah they, they're like um, the villains in like uh, 80s movies, or the good guys in some of them. But yeah. yeah, they are like all over the world. Certainly all over Southern Africa, but all over the world as mercenaries and they're just yeah this whole like a, a whole state worth of security and military apparatus that just like was displaced and yeah became a uh, uh guns for hire wild shit mm-hmm. so you have more more to share with us about these um Rhodesia teens oh um, yeah sure. some good comment threads to read or something yeah i mean i i i'm going to Evan, i'm going to share the one on um the just a day in the links one um this is a this is a photo of um two just fat Badass white Rhodesians playing golf while they're being, <laughs> um, you know, have like I guess a young African man in a military uniform holding their golf clubs and a gun, um, and the title is just the day on the links in Rhodesia, um, as if that's like a cool thing that uh, people do. And there's a little bit of an identity crisis happening in the comments. Um, well, before we get to the comments, yeah, let's, I mean, we'll go a little further into this picture just for a second. I mean, again, listeners, uh, click on the links below. You really got to see this. Yeah, you have to see this. He's essentially functioning as their caddy slash uh, armed <laughs> guard. <laughs> and the initial thing you would think looking at that is like, wow, that's not a country that's functioning very well. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, in a country that's functioning well, you generally don't have to have guys with machine guns following you around on the links. But well, yeah, what do we got going on in the comments? Yeah, yeah sure. So um, Houston earlier uh, comments, I suspect he is getting paid probably better than chasing around snakes or whatever else he was. He would be doing if those guys <laughs> and that course weren't there. Unless, Rode- <laughs> unless Rhodesia had slavery that I wasn't aware of. Um, and and then uh, wow. yeah, right. I mean, like uh, also, I love that the two choices for industry in Africa is either uh, soldier caddies for fat English people yeah. or snake chasing. Which I am curious into the that's what they were. Plan. That's what all of Africa was doing before white snake people chasing. showed up. They were chasing snakes around. Yeah, they were just chasing snakes and just like you know not being civilized. And now oh, they yeah. get to be caddies. But, you know, he does. <laughs> does drop a real truth bomb or a truth question here um uh you know i guess rhodesia was good because it didn't have slavery question mark (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then um do um deuce it deuce it per loose um replies very confidently rhodesia did not have or condone slavery 
Yeah, and I think we can assume this is a member of the Luce family. Uh, <laughs> probably great grandson of Henry Luce. Yeah, I like that they come in just to clear it up. And, the, and during the 15 years that Rhodesia was a country, they did not have a Starting in 1965. Yeah, yeah, starting in 1965. They did not do these things. Don't look into the history of it in any way or labor conditions at the time. Yeah. Yeah, um, The British Empire, which uh, built and ran the slave trade um, until uh, it wasn't useful anymore and turned its nose up at it um, uh, and continued to exploit people in almost identical ways just (laughs) without shipping them overseas. Uh, Yeah. Very anti-slavery people, these uh, (laughs) British colonists here. Munya, I'm going to let you know I accidentally read ahead. And this next one is fucking... This is the galaxy brain tank. Okay, let's hear it. I'm ready. Let's hear it. Let's hear it, it, Munya. Okay. Tony Elliott, 19, um, swoops in to clear this all up. Hang on, people. For me, the important point here is that blacks were allowed to be in the Rhodesian army. (laughs) (laughs) It was was voluntary conscription (laughs) and the whites and blacks in the army were nearly always close buddies protecting each other's backs. I find this photograph suspicious. Yeah, the uh, officers <laughs> and the uh, enlisted personnel were, got yeah. along like... Uh, <laughs> Dude, the, that new HBO season of Band of Brothers that's all about the Rhodesian army. <laughs> Just, you know. We happy few. We buddies. <laughs> David Schremer, I think maybe he took, a, he took a risk on it, but I think it paid off. Mm-hmm. All right, let's hear, let's hear what else he's got here. Yeah, so after Tony Elliott um, decisively clears the air, he then kind of <laughs> casts a little doubt. I find this photograph suspicious. Would I really want a soldier who was present to protect me standing in the open carrying my clubs? Yes, yes. <laughs> Would the army officers allow this to occur? No. Just like the other Western armies, this would not be allowed. It's composition. Oh, wow. So much. Well, this is the galaxy brain part because this is every American is a certified member of special forces. Yeah. And so it's like, me, I'd find a strategic position, you know, up high, eyes out, you know, <laughs> making ocular pat downs on everybody within a mile radius. <laughs> so, to- Tony Elliott, mm-hmm. 19, um, insists of, um, has now a um, photography compositional analysis on why this photo mm-hmm. might be um, photoshopped. His composition smacks of a contrived, quote, Privileged whites, slaves like blacks. <laughs> oh yeah, that so contrived in a settler colony in the middle of Africa. <laughs> oh, Greg. Okay, he's like, got an answer for you right here, though. Okay, well, let's let's hear it. The situation in Rhodesia. Sorry, the situation in Rhodesia was not ideal, but it was not this bad. Sharpen up. <laughs> Okay, a country that only lasted for 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> Not ideal. Fell apart in a decade and a half. <laughs> yeah. But like I love it. Like, would would the would that guy's officers allow him to just be loaned out as a caddy to these fat uh English people? Um those were his officers, okay? <laughs> they're not in their uniforms because they're playing fucking golf. Okay. Th- those that is that is, uh, those are two colonels from hi- who are in command of his unit. I'm get- like, that's that's the thing that makes sense. Yes, and they are fucking uh, playing golf. And why why'd they bring him along? 
because he's on duty and they can order him around and they don't want to carry their own fucking clubs. Like, I mean, what what's hard to figure out about this? Like, <laughs> well, I just, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the butterfly that is Rhodesia and saying, is this privileged whites in slave blacks? <laughs> <laughs> just uh, wonderful. I mean, it's galaxy brain on every level. But I do love that just in case you for a second question, the privileged whites comment like, wait, we are talking about Rhodesia. He's like, look, I'm not going to say Rhodesia doesn't have problems. And that's how we know this guy's even handed and a deep thinker. Uh, yeah, it's, but it's not that bad. Oh, thank you for the reassurance. <laughs> As the Titanic goes down, hey, look, I get that we have an iceberg problem, but it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, it's like, as you know, uh, you know, just ask uh, white Rhodesians today. <laughs> just take, go, go to the airport and ask for one ticket to Rhodesia and see where. It goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's amazing. So, do we have any evidence like that? Some of these are like uh, young people, like other than the. Are on the internet like what do we think like do you have some do we have any like actual like youtubers like online like like the showing YouTubers, their faces their pimpled faces <laughs> the youtubers will mostly be older people at least mm-hmm. the popular ones because and they'll mostly be older rhodesians who fought in the war still telling the stories um a lot of them are authors now their books are like nothing short of like a serial killer's confession. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like uh, no doubt. <laughs> they're like 15 chapters of just like, yeah, I killed this black guy and then that black guy and then like shot him and yeah, just like awful stuff. And like in detail too. Yeah. Yeah. And those are the books that circulate on these forums. Um, if you like, I'm sure you can find a thread where they say, Hey, does anyone have any good book recommendations? And it'll be Andre Sheepers and it'll be uh, AJ Balm and these sort of people who are also um, pretty active on YouTube. Mm hmm. As for the age, I think we can only speculate. Like, but I do assume a lot of them are younger people going through a sort of like weird youth crisis where they found some weird thing on the internet and become mm-hmm. obsessed with it. Um, and also just based on the general like grammar and sentence structure that, that yeah. people are using. Like, yeah. Well, we know that like Dylan Roof had a weird obsession with Rhodesia, right? That it has shown up in some of these alt right circles, right? Yeah, his manifesto was called The Last Rhodesian. Um, <laughs> oh, man, that is fucked up, dude. Yeah, yeah, I read it. He has pictures actually, of him with a Rhodesian flag patch stitched onto his bomber jacket and stuff. I wait to even get that. With that dog shit flag? Yeah. Damn, yeah. what a loser. Embarrassing. Embarrassing cell phone. Mm-hmm. Um, there, There's also posts on Reddit, um, which you know are extremely funny, of... Uh, people talking about how they want to get, um, they're like, does anyone know where a Rhodesian embassy is? I want to get a Rhodesian passport. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That is a special guy. Like getting so into Rhodesia that you want to be one. Yeah. But not enough into it to not to know this, it doesn't exist. Anymore. Yeah, I'm going to get to this final chapter of my Rhodesian history book any moment now. But I'm so pumped halfway through. So uh, halfway through, and it just sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. I like you. I like you, him getting directed to the embassy. He he goes in, and they're like, "Oh," and he's you know they hand him. They're like, "Okay, sure." They hand him a passport it says Zimbabwe and he's like oh I guess to change the name and, uh, <laughs> just completely burbrained like, like hey, where are the white people at yeah. 
there's probably yeah. like a very dark comedy to be made out of this yeah uh, oh no i mean it's it's just a hysterical dark comedy there's like also people mm-hmm. who will like post polls being like does is anyone else from north carolina um and, and has like rhodesian merch like um and 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 like admits that he's never been like outside of the, the country like outside of the u.s so this is mm-hmm. someone who doesn't even have roots in like the uk and like mm-hmm. thinks that there's like a north carolina like um like a strong i mean believes that people in north carolina um, have like memorabilia of Rhodesia that he wants to try to <laughs> trade. Um, just like absolute bird brained shit. I saw Rocks. one recently that was a guy and he was like, yeah, I've never been to Rhodesia before, but uh, last night I had a dream that I was fighting in the Rhodesian Bush War. Oh, <laughs> and, fuck yeah. <laughs> I was like shooting at some terrorists and then uh, the next thing I know I'm in Salisbury and like, if it's anything like what I actually dreamed, then that place was beautiful. And I was just like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, dude. <laughs> Yeah, the, like, the capital was called Salisbury. Yeah, uh, just just let's let's like take a moment, you know, like yes, these are white settler white supremacists, but like let's just keep in mind that they're also specifically English. Yeah, uh, and like what just disgusting slobs they must have been. Well, a failed <laughs> state where all the architecture is designed by the English. Yes, it's very beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah awesome. Well, you know, very cool. So we, we got this other picture up here that is, uh, I assume one of our friends who wants to go to Rhodesia. This is his picture from his vacation. He's <laughs> in his shorts, you know, hanging out with, uh, some soldiers here and uh this is this is a real gotcha photo right munya yeah yeah um the the title of this uh photo is today's history books try to make it a race thing some of it was but most <laughs> <laughs> yes. a startling admission yeah <laughs> some of it was but most of it was communism versus capitalism. So, so which side was capitalism on the racist yeah. <laughs> side or the not racist side? <laughs> and um, ends off with let Rhodesia be a lesson. We never forget. Uh, unfortunately, I think we're learning that might be the case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just I mean, the, there's just so much to unpack with that title in general. So many layers of the onion. Just tacitly well, admitting that it is a race thing after, yeah. like, just after denying it in the last, like, that, that, that's also like, like a hilarious, like, you know, the Third Reich. Yeah, it was a little bit about race. Yeah, okay, right, maybe guys. a little bit, but <laughs> put that aside. I'll be the first to admit, <laughs> my heroes really just about are racist. Winning <laughs> exploitation and systematic oppression under an economic system. <laughs> yeah, he's actually it's not about woke. race. So it's also about exploitation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was um, it was uh, realpolitik as well. Okay. Yeah. Well, can I uh, draw some attention here again? You know, I, I accidentally I read ahead. I'm that kid in class. I read ahead in the textbook here. In the comments. The guy who posts this, I think, is claiming to be the white guy in shorts in the middle of the photo. (laughs) And then this guy, very intrigued by the photo, decides to rip off some questions to this guy in a a sort of lightning round style. And I want to read you guys these questions because they're so fucking funny. So just have a few questions. Did most combat take place in the morning and evening when it was cooler? Or did most of it happen during the middle of the day? What the fuck? 
Huh? How did you, how did you deal with the heat? <laughs> did you think having more tanks and armored vehicles would have been decisive? <laughs> All right, that's a weird left turn. <laughs> how available was your air support? And then, of course, uh, when it comes to Zanla and and Zu, uh, Zapu, Zapu, right? Yeah. Uh, who was the tougher adversary? <laughs> so I like to think that the this first. Is- Oh my god, this is two, so cool. The first two questions I like to think are shorts related. Yeah. yeah. Like, what's, the, what's my short situation when like, it comes to finding this if I if another like uh white supremacist cause breaks out in a uh warm uh <laughs> semi-jungle climate, <laughs> do I pack only shorts? Yeah. <laughs> what's what's your PPE requirements? Can I go shorts and light tennis shoes or do I have to wear the boots? My feet get hot. They're sweaty. I love that this is like this like baby operator like <laughs> like let's talk let's talk tactics here. Yeah. Let's talk loadout. You yeah. know? <laughs> this is pure American like I said, that the joke about like every American is a special forces operative. This is pure American brain right here, this series of questions. It rocks. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I'm, this is a – the guy claiming to be the guy in the photo, it, it, it's not true. Like, this oh, is a, 100%. <laughs> like, this guy is a liar. <laughs> this, is a, uh, this is a popular propaganda photo. The guy in the photo is like – not even actual soldier. He's like some guy that got from behind a desk to like run out in the field and take a quick photo. And then he was like the in. Pete Buttigieg of Rhodesia. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, it almost speaks to, there's so many of these crazy propaganda photos like circling the internet that really feeds this weird fascination with it. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 No, it, it's, it is, again, this is, every, you know, it's the every American's an operator thing is that they just find fake photos or they find like a potentially a real photo post it and like, that's me. You yeah, know? Exactly. <laughs> that, that was me in uh, 1975. Uh, yes. I'm currently 42 years old because like op- part of operator culture is uh, lying. Yeah. Yeah. So like you have to start, even if you just are lying about being an operator, like it is based on lying. Well, I remember, so <laughs> in the early 2000s, we're at this college campus anti-war event, and this guy was getting increasingly mad at us that we were against the invasion of Iraq. And he proceeded to tell us that to be against it was communism, and he knew communism was bad because he was a member of the East German Stasi. Mm. Now, this guy was like, in 2004 or whatever, three, was probably uh, 21 years old. You know? <laughs> <laughs> And so, I mean, this is a fine tradition on the right of just... Was he German? No, of course not. He was from Texas. He was was just another idiot from Texas. But to him, he was like, gotcha, motherfuckers. Uh, Try to refute that one. Um, So this is just a fine tradition on the right. I will point out the, uh, the guy who is claiming to be the person in the photo does uh answer this person's questions oh my and God. he goes exactly uh let's see one two three four five six he goes six words before using a racial slur <laughs> <laughs> so you know uh good job guy wow <laughs> but yeah wonderful so wonderful. like so this isn't i mean this isn't so weird that like uh people you know racists white supremacists um 
like pick up on these things like there's there's always been a history of that you know in america it makes a little more sense that people are like obsessed with the lost cause mm-hmm. um the confederacy but like we know from like some of these movements uh get really eclectic and that they look around the world for you know instances of uh settler uh supremacy of various kinds like the um you know the ulster defense forces are famous for being really into just everyone who was ever evil in the world and just like thinking it's really (laughs) cool the confederacy they're down they were down with and still are with you know uh apart with you know apartheid south africa with rhodesia with hitler like whatever you know like um they, I guess, yeah, it is just like game recognized game, you know? Yeah. And it's almost like, you know, in the more sort of dark circles, the actual like white supremacists, not like, I'd, I'd say the people on Reddit are just idiots, but in the darker, <laughs> more like when you get into the Dylan Roos and that sort like of stuff. Like the storm front, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They really see Rhodesia as like a, uh, it speaks to them as a, a sort of cautionary tale. Um, like sort of the with the myth that when white supremacy is dismantled, everything goes to shit, which for them it probably should. Like, but <laughs> and so they see this as like this is what happens. This is what we're fighting for because if we don't fight for our white supremacy, it's going to turn out horribly for us. Mm-hmm. They're going to come and take our land and take our farms, and the economy is going to uh, falter. Yeah, and I mean, again, it's one of those things that. Uh in a perverse way, uh, there's a hint of truth to that in the case of Rhodesia and that 200,000 people are living off of the labor of 3 million people, right? And then the situation changed with like, no, the resources of the country actually have to be spread out <laughs> amongst the entire population. You can't mm-hmm. just sit, you know, smog-like on all the fucking wealth of the country. Wait, are you telling me that today... <laughs> all three million or however many inhabitants of Zimbabwe don't basically uh, sit around golfing all day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fail. That's it. Uh, that that proves it. White supremacy is the way of the future. <laughs> you know, also, also like one thing that my, you know, my, my dad also, uh, you know, my dad and Evans dad are, are brothers and, you know, they grew up in Rhodesia together. And one thing that he um, told me was, um, in Rhodesia, you'll never see a white person working at all. Like mm-hmm. even the most lumpen, like idiot Chud would just yeah. like be just like living large and not working at all. He's in South Africa when he went there for the first time. Um, that was the first time he actually saw like working class white people, like white people getting <laughs> like exploded working class. He's like, holy shit, this happens. And it, it was like eye-opening for him. And so wow. usually all of the working class people like in, in South Africa who are like tired of working will just like, you know, like treasure up to Rhodesia and like live like princes basically. Like that, mm-hmm. that, that's kind of like the dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so in a sense, it's like this completely unsustainable system where this minority population is living just totally off the blood of the majority of the population. It's like, yeah, that probably is going to be a step down. You might actually have to work a day in your life. Uh, you know, it's just most normal people look at that and they're like, wow, that's uh, a, a great leveling of the playing field. <laughs> but it's kind of like, you know, I mean, you know, it's uh, the you know Saudis looking at any sort of change in the situation and being like, well, this is clearly oppression. 
you know, if we're not all allowed <laughs> to have uh, 10,000 slaves, then that's oppression. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, guys, this has been um, like a really uh, enlightening and entertaining uh, trip down like both, uh, you know, the history of Zimbabwe and also of, uh, I, I don't know, like global chuds idiot solidarity <laughs> like, um, yeah thank you for showing us these uh, uh subreddits here that i'm going to be going on later no, you're gonna be a su- you're gonna be a subscriber now yeah i was looking it said like uh it was like seven thousand subscribers and i was like about to be seven thousand and one guys <laughs> that's so funny is there any any like final thoughts yeah. or, or um final posts or anything yeah i think that the history of Africa um, at large, I think there's a lot of rich history there that we can really learn a lot from. Mm-hmm. And it's something that's really overlooked, especially in um, Western states, especially in America. Um, I would encourage everyone to um, learn about different um, movements, some of the most amazing liberation movements, um, organizing movements. And, you know, um, I think, uh, just history in general, um, we can really learn a lot for as people um, on the left, like the, you know, the movement is a global struggle. And a lot of that is the global South and the global South is um, Africa too. And so, um, you know, learning revolutionary history and um, just like history of overcoming uh, oppression and it actually helps understand the world better. So, you know, I just encourage, uh, you know, like researching, maybe not on, um, you know, Rhodesian truth or subreddits, but <laughs> um, yeah, learn about the great hero Cecil Rhodes. Yeah, <laughs> but it he does really struggle. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I think like a lot of these, um, for me, really learning about, um, you know, my history, and you know, um, uh, it also taught me a lot about uh, capitalism and imperialism mm-hmm. and how that you know really works at the at the you know hyper exploitative. Um, level. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of rich history, whether it's in Northern Africa, Southern Africa, um, even like take a look at, um, you know, Cuban solidarity within, um, and to help end South African apartheid. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think it even gives like a broader understanding of, you know, what actual true, like, um, international solidarity kind of looks like, um, you know, with the global, global South. So, um, yeah, highly encourage you to, uh, just check out African history and African liberation movements. Yeah, right on. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'd piggyback on Munya there. And yeah, just add in. So the origins of Rhodesia, the origins of the U.S., as well as Canada, South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand, I would all sort of categorize together. They were all originally British settlements, each one with very unique outcomes. Zimbabwe or Rhodesia is the only one where the land, the economy, and the politics are in the hands of its indigenous people. And I think it's important to study all six um, options there, all six original mm-hmm. British settlements, to see the different roadmaps that were taken to achieve the different outcomes. So yeah, I'll leave it there. This is a good episode. Yeah. We should do more episodes like this. Yeah, this yeah. is super fun. Thank you so much, <laughs> Evan, for coming on and hanging with us. This is super cool. Thanks for introducing us to Evan Munya. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. This is super Thanks fun, so guys. Thanks so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. All right. Thanks. All right. (laughs) Bye, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.